This is Wednesday night, youth night here at the Pine Level Pentecostal Wednesday Church, January the 18th, 2023. Brian Vaughn bringing the message tonight, the differences between expectation and reality. We'll start off with the youth praise team. Come all you weary, come all you thirsty, come to the well that never runs dry. Drink of the water, come and thirst no more. Come all you sinners, come find his mercy. Come to the table, he will satisfy. Taste of his goodness, find what you're looking for. For God so loved the world that he gave us, his one and only son to save us, whoever believes in him will live forever. all your failures bring your addictions come lay them down at the foot of the cross jesus is waiting there with open arms for god so loved the world that he gave us his one and only son to save us whoever believes in
walking down this desert road Water for my thirsty soul I need you Oh, I need you Your forgiveness Is like sweet, sweet honey on my lips Like the sound of a symphony to my ears Like holy water Slave to sin, I want to know about being born again. I need you, oh God, I need you. So take me to the riverside, take me under baptized. I need you, oh God, I need you. Your forgiveness is like sweet, sweet honey on my lips, like a sound. smiling now and looking out there's a bunch of grumpy faces on that back row there it's okay it's my wife hey I'm gonna pay for that one later regardless it's fine and my friends the back row is here to support me just in case I don't do a good job and you try to run me out <laughs> um, three of my co-workers and their significant others and I want to thank them for being here this makes me nervous. Can I come down there? 
You taught from down there Sunday. Can you? Okay. Max going to bring me a podium. Listen. Okay, so I'm usually, I'm, I teach eight-year-olds. I'm very intimidating to eight-year-olds. And everything I say, they just, they soak it all up. So to be here in front of adults is, is fun for me. It's a different thing. Um, tonight, I'm going to share with you the differences between expectations and reality. Oftentimes, we get confused in what they are. So first, we're going to talk about me. This year for Christmas, we decided that instead of gifts and the hassle of shopping and doing things, that we would invest in a trip. And we took our children. We went to Orlando for a week, and we went to Magic Kingdom and Universal Studios, and we just poured all of our Christmas budget into that trip and made memories with our kids. Here's the problem. Google Maps said that it would take us eight hours to leave our house and get to the resort where we were staying. That was the expectation. The reality is, it was a little closer to 10 and a half. Because once you, you pile, we, we were crammed into this little bitty car. Actually, it was an SUV, but we were still crammed in because we have a week's worth of luggage. And we drove, and then we stopped. And then we drove, and then we stopped. I think we stopped four times on the way there. It's like we had to stop at the Chick-fil-A and eat because who knows what we were going to pass it again. It's like, then we had to stop at the gas station. And then 20 minutes later, we had to stop at another gas station. If you've ever traveled with two females at the same time, you know they don't, they're not on the schedule. They don't get it. And then you throw in like, it was, it was bad. Plus, my wife does all the driving. She's a little bit of a controlling type personality where I like to nap. She knows it's true. Don't even look. Don't even look back there. She's smiling. She knows it's true. Plus, she don't trust me. So... She tends to nibble when we're driving, and she likes Twizzlers. Yep. That was the expectation. She's going to kill me. The reality of it, diabetes and Twizzlers don't really match. Okay? We expected the lines to be super long. It's Disney. But because of the neuropathy in my feet and the fact that I can barely stand up sometimes, we got the handicap pass. <laughs> if you ever go to Disney World, get the handicap pass. Take a cripple with you. It's worth it. <laughs> so, the way it works is, if the line is an hour and a half long, I got a thumbs up, right? You get it. The line is an hour and a half long. You just have to wait. You don't have to be in line. So, we were able to just sit and wait and watch. People are crazy. And then we got on the rides, and it was wonderful. So the expectation was that we would have long waits. And the reality was it didn't take as long. You with me? You following? Then the resort, something that's always been on my list, something I've always wanted to try, was a massage. I'm extremely ticklish, and my personal bubble is about this wide. I don't want people touching me. I don't want to be bumped. I don't want to be touched. So I was like, this is not going to be... It's not going to be relaxing as they say it is because people are going to be touching me and this was some stranger and I don't think he spoke English. He was like, I don't know. Maybe he was just nervous because I talk all the time. I thought it was going to be weird and it turned out it hurt so good. If you ever have the opportunity to get a massage, definitely pay for it. Get more than 25 minutes because it's totally worth it. Um, I was in a wheelchair the last day we were at Universal Studios. My feet were, were swollen. 
to the point where I could not even stand. I could barely walk. So I literally had to use my kids as crutches and walk like we were in a three-legged race to get where we were going. And I got in a wheelchair and I was like, this is gonna be great because people always show respect to people in wheelchairs or in crutches or walkers because, you know, everybody was raised in the 80s like I was. And if grandma and mama saw you not doing that, you get smacked in the back of the head, right? Anybody in the 1900s? Y'all weren't born in the 1900s. Y'all don't know this. But you guys know you treated people with respect, right? So I'm at this, the, the one restaurant in the entire place we were at. I'm sitting in the wheelchair. Catherine is going to get a table. Tammy and Grayson are somewhere getting food in the line wherever they're waiting. And I'm sitting there at these double doors and they're glass. And I'm looking going, there's no way for me to open the door and get through the door at the same time. Finally, this guy opened the door and people started like, now's our chance. And they were jumping over me and stepping past me to get through the door. And finally, I, I, preacher, I'm ashamed to admit it. Don't tell anybody. I lost my cool. And I went, excuse me. And I started just rolling forward until I hit somebody. And she went, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't see you. And she held the door and I kept on rolling. So the expectation is people are going to treat you with manners. The reality of the fact, no, it's first come, first served, and who cares who you are. Then the expectation was for me, because I've been to Disney, I've, been, I've seen fireworks before. I was like, staying late, there's 7 billion people all crowded around the castle at, at Magic Kingdom to watch this firework display. And I'm like, can we just go home? We've seen fireworks before, but they were amazing. Here's the catch. Your expectation doesn't always line up with your reality. And if anybody in the Bible knew that was true, it was David. So now we're getting into the word. Here we go. When it came time to choose a king, God told Samuel, go to Bethlehem. I'm going to anoint a new king. And he's like, but if I go, they're going to, Saul's going to kill me. He's like, just take a lamb, tell him you're there for sacrifice. And when you get there, I'll tell you where to go. So he's like, okay. So he got there. He told them, I'm here to make a sacrifice. They're like, okay, where are you going? Because it was a big deal. When the preacher comes to your house, you make chicken with bones in it and mashed potatoes, right? Yes. Yes. That's like, that's the given. Or homemade mac and cheese is perfect. So Samuel stood before Jesse and his sons. And he looked at the oldest, the bravest, the strongest. And he was like, surely this is the one you want. And God was like, no. And the next one, this is, God, this has got to be it. If it wasn't him, it's him. No. And they went one at a time. And I imagine the most nervous person in the room was Jesse. Because if somebody's judging my kids, I'm going, oh. You know, you know. That's my daughter snickering back there. She knows. The expectation for my child is up here because she lives in a fishbowl because of who I am and where I work. Does that make sense? Right? You get it. They, get, they ran out of kids and Samuel was like, okay, God, that's it. <laughs> Everybody's gone. He's like, there's one more. He's out in the field. Go get him. We're not going to eat till he gets here. And they bring in David, the little one, the scrawny one. One version I think calls him ruddy. And God said, that's who I want. Samuel said, really? You ever doubt what God can do through you? Like what God can do through other people because we, we've seen them, we know them, we think we know them. 
and we doubt what God's power can do in somebody's life. But what they didn't realize is David knew who God was. David had a relationship with God on a deeper level than probably anybody else in his family because they had other things to do. David sat under a tree. He spent his time singing singing songs and slinging stones. That's all he did. We've all been, gentlemen, we've all been 10 throwing rocks. It doesn't take a lot of thought. Psalm 23 should be there soon. Y'all know what it says, right? Anybody know? You don't know what? It's because you leave your Bible at home. That's why. (laughs) The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now we say it a lot. It's the typical funeral verse. And then we breeze right over it until the next funeral. Realistically. But if you put it to music, it's, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And that's how David spent his time singing. It wasn't just talking to himself. It wasn't just goofing off. He literally sang to God. Psalm 48 says, Oh, is it up there? This one is, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of his holiness, beautiful for situation. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. David knew who God was. He knew that God was his shepherd and was going to take care of him. He also knew that God was the great king and was going to lead him. Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You know that one. And you smile and now that you're not looking at them. It's easier to smile out here, ain't it? How often do we see these verses, sing these songs, but we don't realize that we're getting closer to God in doing it. Worship brings us right to the throne room of God himself. Because David knew who he was, God had already ordained him to do something great. He was going to be the next king. But before that, there was a problem. He had a giant in the way. When, when it came time, the, the boys went to war, the shepherd went to the field and got, daddy called him back and said, listen, take this cart with this food, go see your brothers. Don't speak to nobody. Don't talk to nobody. Don't look at nobody. Don't address nobody. Don't have a conversation with nobody. You go check on your brothers and you come straight back. Because I imagine David was like, dee, 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 dee. hey, how you doing? Wanted to talk to everybody because he didn't get a normal conversation. When you don't talk to normal people regularly, you find the opportunity to talk to people everywhere. Right? Right. So he gets there and he hears this Philistine talking junk about God. Right? Like literally, he was, he was bad-mouthing God. We're not gonna let anybody bad-mouth people in our lives. The girlfriend the wife, the mama. There's a, there's a whole history of people talking about my mama and it doesn't, it doesn't end well for people. But this Philistine was talking about God and David was offended. Everybody else was scared, but David was offended. He said, I'm gonna go handle this. And they were like, no, 
brothers are like, shh, hush, hush. Grown folks are talking. And David's like, yeah, but you're not doing anything. Wouldn't it be better to stand up for God? Hello? It's God calling. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, I apologize for not starting this way, God, but I need you. Fill me with your spirit and help, help Brian to sit down and you stand up in this vessel. Use my words to encourage and strengthen the believers. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so here they were. David goes and he fights. And he goes to the king. He says, I'm gonna do it. I'm, I'm gonna handle it. But you're smiling. You have that attitude sometimes, right? I'm gonna just handle it. And they're like, you can't handle it. You're just a kid. He's like, well, one time there was a lion trying to get the sheep and I grabbed it and I shook it and I killed it with my bare hands. And they're like, okay, fine. And he said, but one time there was a bear trying to get my sheep and I grabbed it and I shook it and I killed it with my bare hands. And they're like, and he said, God delivered me from the lion and God delivered me from the bear and God's gonna deliver this giant into my hand. Count on it, it's going to happen. The expectation was that the bravest people would step forward. The reality was this shepherd that knew who God was was gonna step forward. And we know the story. One little rock went into a sling, a sling went round and round and round and round and round and round. Hit him right in the head and he fell to the ground. Then David, what I think is the coolest part of the story that's often glazed over. David took Goliath's own sword because David didn't take a sword. He didn't have it. He didn't have a sword. He had a rock. He had five rocks and a sling and that's all he took. So he had to have somebody's sword. He took Goliath's own sword and chopped his head off. And that gave everyone the oomph to charge after the Philistines and drive them out. Pretty cool power. Then, fast forward a couple of years, Saul and David have, have some, some beef and Saul gets angry and jealous for no reason, except the fact that the glory of the Lord had left him and was now, was now sitting on David. And Saul hunted David for his life. Y'all hunt, this is hunting, hunting time, right? Like, you don't just go out and just look. Like, oh, look, there's one. Yep, I saw three today. No, you're gonna shoot at it, right? Saul's goal was to kill David. They got to a point where David and his men are hiding in a cave. And Saul comes in to do what grown men do in caves. Hit a potty. And David sneaks up and all of his men are like, now's our chance. The expectation was that David was gonna kill him that God had already delivered him into his hands. And David snuck up and all he did was take his knife whoosh, and cut a small piece of the, the bottom of his cape off. And he slinked, slinked back into the cave and nobody knew what had happened until Saul walked away. David showed himself with that fabric and said, look, Saul realized that he could have been killed, but David had mercy and grace. David refused to put his hands on the Lord's anointed. Now, this is funny because some of you don't know, but Mac thought my name was David for a couple of weeks. And I had already been studying this. And Mac was like, David. I'm like, who's he talking to? And then I realized it was me. <laughs> then I go to school and I started at a new school last week. And the substitute had written my name on things and she wrote David on every one of them. And I'm like, okay, I got it. Loud and clear, I got it. You know, God says things in threes most of the time. If he really wants you to listen, he repeats himself. Verily, verily, I say, and you remember that? That's because he wants you to listen. He's been telling me David for weeks. So here we go. So then 
everyone started realizing that David was the next in line, that David was a man after God's own heart, and they started expecting David to do what God wanted. Problem is, David started to believe his own hype, and he started trusting in David and not in God. Even the strongest among you will fall. David couldn't sleep one night. He said, I think I'll go out for a walk. La, 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 la. Ooh. And he looked down. He saw Bathsheba bathing. You know the story. He had an affair with her. He tried to kill the husband. The husband refused it. And then he actually, he, he, tried, to, he tried to hide it by having his husband come home. And that didn't work. So then he sent plans to kill Bathsheba's husband. And his name should have been written down right there because I knew I would forget it, but I didn't. But David's expectation was, I'm a man after God's own heart. I'll be okay. The reality was, oops. And once you open that door, just this much, you know, you might not know. Once you open that door, it's gonna fling wide open. We're in the country, right? Grandma got that screen door on the back. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It swings open when the wind blows and it'll slam shut, right? You with me? Look, everybody that was born in the 1900s is shaking their head like this because we can hear that sound and we can almost hear somebody go, stop slamming the door, right? Maybe we might can hear ourselves. It's you, isn't it? That's you, you're the one. Then David's expectation was, I can cover it up. Nobody's going to know. God knew. Then David begins to devolve. He starts to roll downhill. And if you've ever rolled downhill, you don't stop halfway down and be like, okay, I've had enough. The last step, Nathan comes. Nathan is the new prophet. And he goes and he tells David a story. And David is expecting the prophet to praise him and bring him honor and glory because he's a man after God's own heart. I'm leading this kingdom with God's name, with God's banner. Look, look at all I've done for God. And Nathan tells him a story about a man that had a lot of sheep. But when company came, instead of killing one of his own sheep, he went to the man that only had one sheep. And he took that sheep and he killed it. And he left that man with nothing while he had plenty. And David was angry. And he went, who is this man? Who is this man that has done such an injustice to this other man, to this neighbor, to this brother? Who is this man? And Nathan went, you are that man. The expectation was praise and honor. The reality was get your life right. It's hard words. Lesson one from the life of David. Our ways are not his ways. Our plans might not be his plans. Psalm three, five, and six. Maybe I've got that wrong. Maybe it's Proverbs three, five, and six. Trust in the Lord with all the, I think that's what it is. I think I just wrote it down wrong. Does it say? No, that's not what I'm looking. It's up there too. I think it's Proverbs. Is it Proverbs? Okay, so what had happened was, no, it's a true story. Sounds like I'm making it up. Listen, it is Proverbs. Um, I had to move out of one classroom and into another one in an hour and a half. 
and all my notes, there it is, all my notes were laying on my original desk and now I can't find them. So I had to write them all down last night. I just made a, a little error. It's okay. Psalms 3 might be great too. Who knows? Read it when you get home. Isn't that what you always say? Just read it when you get home. Just jot it down and read it when you get home. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all, oh, in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Our ways are not his ways. I am not where I wanted to be when I was your age. When I was eight years old, I had already planned out my entire life. I knew where I was going to college. I knew what job I wanted to have. I knew everything. I was, I was going to live out in the woods and I was going to be a writer and I was just going to write because that's all I ever wanted to do. While everybody's outside playing football, I was inside writing. Short stories, creative writing, whatever. Poetry sometimes if the mood is. not I didn't want to be a teacher I didn't really want to be a preacher God's ways are not our ways he puts us where he wants us where he needs us not necessarily where we want to be and that's for you for you I think you're the youngest one in here you too I see you back there I'm not even going to pretend like I know who the oldest person is we'll just look at the pastor (laughs) but God has a plan for each of us. Otherwise, he'd have called us home already. So if you're still sitting here, God has a plan for you. God has a reason for you. Trust in him for his plan. Lesson number two. I hope this is the right passage. 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Watch your step. You're not as good as you think you are. That's That's what it says. David did not take heed. He thought he was secure being a man after God's own heart and he fell. And if you ask people what they know about David, they know one, he killed the giant and two, he had an affair with Bathsheba. Those are the two things. He was known for his greatest moment and his weakest moment at the same time. Be careful that you don't get so proud, even of your calling, even of your ministry, that you don't get so proud that God takes it from you. I can imagine, I cannot imagine not being in a classroom at all. That's my calling. That's my gift. I walk in it really well. It's taken years for me to say I'm a really good teacher. I can't imagine it but I would hate for something to happen that I did that was foolish and selfish and all of a sudden I can't teach anymore. Take heed lest you fall. Lesson number three. I like, I don't have a clicker. So listen, in the the elementary school we go and I get all the kids, 200 kids to do it and then the, the clicker hits the button. It's really cool. It helps that the clicker's my child and she and I have ESPN and we have the same thoughts sometimes. So anyway, does it say, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I know where I started, but I don't know where I'm gonna finish. Do you know where you're gonna finish? Do you, do you, do you, do you, do you? You thought you were finished, right? He said that Sunday, 
I thought I was going to retire and move to somewhere with the grandbaby. I don't remember where it was. That's not in my notes. But he said it. I know he did. I was sitting back there on the near back row. I don't sit on the back row, by the way. I sit on the next to the back row. And he said that we're 99, no, 98.9% aligned with the Baptists on that back row. Just so you know, I was taking notes. That's in my notes. Hold on. I got the number. Hold on. 99% aligned. I wrote it down because I knew it was going to come up. I didn't know I was the one bringing it up, but I knew it was going to come up. Here's expecting too much or too little can be dangerous. Better to trust in the author and the finisher. You don't know where you're going to be in a year. You're going to be 18 next year. Isn't that what you said an hour ago? I'm going to be 18 next year. And what did I say? If you make it. The simple fact is she's not guaranteed tomorrow, much less next year. I hope and pray you get next year. I hope and pray you grow up and you get married to the right person. I'm just directing that y'all to right now. Pew, fiery darts to the right person in the right time. I hope you get to be parents. I hope everything that, that you want and desire for your life, you get, but you're not guaranteed it. I'm not guaranteed tomorrow. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. God knows where we're gonna be and he knows when our last tomorrow is. Better to trust in him for every step than to go off on our own and fall and be removed from whatever he had planned for us. We will never know what David could have accomplished had he stayed with God. We, may, we will never know. I mean, we might get to heaven and there's a question and answer time and God's like, this is what would have happened, but I don't think so. I'm gonna close in a minute. Just kidding. Trust in God. Don't be proud. And let him finish your life. That's it. It's simple. The Bible holds such simple truths. But we put so much pressure on us that sometimes we don't get the simple stuff. We read something and we go, I don't understand what that, God, what that means. I hope to not, listen, listen, my feet don't hurt. I just realized that a minute ago. I was looking and I'm thinking, why haven't I stumbled yet? It's a big deal because I almost fell on the steps today. There's a lot of steps. And I was really worried about tonight. For the last two weeks since I haven't been able to stand up, I was really worried that I wouldn't be able to stand here. And I said, God, if you'll just give me an hour. And I didn't stand during praise and worship, not because I didn't care, but because I wanted to save the few good steps I had. And I'm like, wow. So look, the expectation was I would be in pain and grueling and, and, and fight my way through it just because. But the reality is God took care of that too. Look at that. Um, One last thing that's kind of near and dear to me, just in case it comes out. I mentioned my mother a couple of weeks ago. My mother had cataract surgery a week before Christmas Eve. So it's like the 14th or something, 15th. Anyway, a week before Christmas Eve and something went wrong and she went completely blind in that eye. And the doctor said, in a few days, the swelling will go down and you'll be fine. Nothing. 
Then they, oh, in a few weeks, we'll run, we'll run some scans and we'll see what's wrong. They've since determined that a blood vessel burst behind the lens and clouded the lens. Oh, and the doctor said, this is the second time I've got hung up this mic. Anyway, and then he said, in a few weeks, it should clear up on its own. It, it, it's now the middle of January. She went back on Friday and we've, I've been praying. And I've secretly, just me and God have had this conversation. God, I'm gonna call her every morning. And one morning I'm gonna call her and she gonna say, I woke up and I could see this morning. And I'm gonna say, that was all God because that's what I asked him to do. You ever pray for a miracle and not get it? And you wonder why? And then you start going, did I not do something right? Was I trying to be selfish? Was it for me? Was it not for your glory? What happened, God? Why did you leave us? What, you said you wouldn't leave me, so I know you're, you're here. Why didn't you give me what I wanted? And God said, because this is not the time. Everything in life is a lesson or a blessing. We're in the lesson phase right now. So she went to the doctor last week and the doctor said, this is what I think has happened. We put the lens in and then your eye swelled up and then the blood vessel. And what happened is the lens shifted. So if you wear contacts, you kind of know the idea. The lens was part there and she was looking through the edge of it and it was blurry. And all she could see was light and shape. She couldn't make out anything. And meanwhile, I'm praying. They're praying. We're all praying, asking God to give her her sight back. She lives alone. She has her own business. She depends on her sight. She can't drive. Things like she's just miserable. Doctor said, I think that now that the swelling's gone down, I can go back in, remove the lens, clean it out, clean out all the ugh, and put the lens back on straight, and it should give you your sight back. Did you hear what I said? God answered my prayer. Not the way I wanted him to, not the way I expected it, but the way he chose to do it. Because Lord willing, her surgery is Friday morning and she's gonna text me Friday afternoon and say, I can already see better. That's the prayer. If she still has more to learn, if we still have more trusting to do, I'm okay with that. But that's my mama. Right, she's currently, don't tell her I said this. Can we pause the video? She's currently the third most important female in my life. She was number one, then I got married and God said I had to love my wife. <laughs> then she was number two and then I had my daughter. And how do you not love your own daughter? Because she's pretty much you in female form. All of you in the back row, shake your heads yes. You know her. She's at, so anyway, expectations are not always accurate. God has a plan. God has a way to bring this all together because I would love nothing more than, to her, than for her to say, you know what, my eye's better. And I know it's because people were praying. What time is church? What time can I meet you there? And if that day happens, 
this Baptocostal is going to go 100% all in because I'm going to start pew walking and shouting and screaming. Whatever language comes out, it's going to be fine. I'm just kidding. I would never do that because that's just not me. That's not the reality. The reality is, okay, listen. We're going to get personal for a minute. If you never want me to speak again, I understand. But I grew up Baptist. Max already called me out for that. We all know that. I'm used to sitting down three points in a poem, out by 1215, we're done, right? When we merged into this Pentecostal concept, which I, I was like, yes, screaming and shouting and, and just acting like, I was like, I'll fit right in, right? Right? Back row. Yep, I'll fit right in. That baptism of the Holy Spirit that we were talking about and that book's about, that I will never forget that moment. I was sitting there. I was, I was on, I was actually right where you're, no, I wasn't. I was where you're at over there. I was on the second row, but I was on the side. So it was kind of off, right? You friend in the red, that's where I was sitting. And everybody's having a good time and there was this man and him and God, him and God got into a fist fight with the devil and his wife was over here and she was, and they, everybody, it was just amazing. It was like the spirit was thick. I'm not mocking, I promise it sounds. And I was like, all right, God, now's my turn. He said, okay, sit down and be quiet. I said, excuse me, this is my time. I want to shout and I want to carry on, right? Hallelujah. And God said, if you do that, people's going, they're going to think it's you because that's your personality. But if you sit down and be quiet for 10 minutes, everybody will know it's God. (laughs) Back row. See them back there. They're really the heckling section. I thought you'd sit back there this time. (laughs) But in that moment, God showed me again. Look, look, it all comes back. It's pouring through. The expectation was one way the reality came out another. And I sat, I sat there so still and so quiet. My own family was going, are you okay? Do we need to leave? Like my wife had 9-1 already in the phone. She was ready to hit that last one. God does mysterious things. He uses the simple to confound the wise and the weak to make the strong look foolish. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, God, I I thank you that you are an all-present God. We can feel you here working in our lives. God, and I thank you that you're all-knowing. You know each person and you know the needs that we have in our lives. God, and you are all-powerful, so we can trust you to meet those needs. Now, God, some people in this room have a physical need and they need a touch. God, they need a healing touch on their head, on their stomach, on their knee. God, I don't know exactly what it is, but I know someone needs you right now. God, and some people, they need a social blessing. There's some problems at school. There's some problems at work. God, there might even be some problems at home that they need you to intercede. God, there's some people in this room that probably need a financial blessing. God, they don't know where that bill's coming from. They, They don't know. They're trying to make a decision between their tithe this week and paying this bill. God, but you are in control of all of it. Father, as David trusted you, help us to trust you. God, help us to put our faith in you, the author and the finisher. God, we pray that as we go, go before us. 
make our way straight. God, guide our paths and our steps. Father, work in the lives of the people in this room. Change the hearts of those that need it. God, and draw us all closer to you in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, we pray, amen. This is the Pine Level Pentecostal Witness Church Incorporated, copyright 2023.